It's Thursday again, tell everybody to lock in Grab some popcorn, a drink, and go and throw your airpods in It's a one-hour show, constantly speaking facts Bulletproof stats are always shooting from Matt And when it comes to Kyle, you getting numbers and style Jake is gonna educate you, he has that knowledge on fire Player, step your game up, don't be sluggish or lazy Or Jimmy J might hit you with a shaky baby Catch him on YouTube or any podcast platform Breaking all the news down like Shaq does the backboards No hot takes, this is where the hottest debate's at Now kick your feet up, cause it's time for Straight Facts What is going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, the sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your host, Kyle Sirik, joined by two of our guys today. We got Jake Galley and Stat Matt Robinson. James is gone, but I have a feeling this might be the last Wednesday James is gone. The commitment that he's had is like officially over tonight. So, And he's going to be on the YouTube on Friday, so make sure to check that out too. We'll get the James content in and he'll be back with us next week, but we're going to work with the crew we got and we're going to be talking some NBA today. Before we get to that, I just want to check in with my guys, Jake, Matt. How we feeling? Uh, I've been I've been better. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason that we're at home, and uh, uh, we'll yeah. keep that between us. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a day. It's been a day. A little bit of running around, but I'm glad we're here. Glad uh, we're talking to the straight facts listeners. Matt, yeah, but I, I'm focusing my positive energy because the Sixers are really, really good. All right. Well, we're going to get into some Sixers a little bit later, but we're going to start off with, I kind of, I like this segment. I think it was James that brought this up. I like this segment. It's going to be the, what no one's talking about in the NBA, but probably should be. Some things are going under the radar now as we're getting towards, you know, that home stretch of the season and into the playoffs and they might pop up on us real quick, right? We got some good teams to talk about that's kind of flying under the radar with all the recent NBA news. So we're going to start with one of those teams. And that team actually be happens to be the number one seed in the East. And no one's really talking about it. The Miami Heat are the number one seed in the East. Not only that, but they're showing dominance in the East. They're 7-3 and three, um, on the season against the teams that are 2-3-4 and four in the East. That's the Sixers, Bucks, and Bulls. So educate the listeners. Educate them on the Miami Heat because this team is legit. And we seem to forget they were in the finals two years ago and, and <laughs> pretty much have the same exact team except maybe slightly better so what do we got to talk about the heat well i think first and foremost i actually i think i brought it up on the show earlier in the year i mean like ultimate under the radar team maybe even on par with the bucks of last year um where you know they they have this dominant play they have a guy playing at a really high level which for this miami heat team is jimmy butler this year uh 21.4 21.4 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 5.7 assists. Um, he took a little bit of a dip, but granted, he's been playing with not the usual cast. And that's what's been so impressive. As you read off, like without Bam Adebayo, they're 17-8 this year. Without Jimmy Butler, they're 13-7. and Without Hero, 9-3. and You keep going down the list like Lowry, Tucker, winning records with both of those guys out as well. They're a team that, doesn't necessarily have one point where like we stop this and the rest of their offense falls apart. I think for Philadelphia, for Brooklyn, for Milwaukee, they all kind of have those hubs of, you know, you stop Giannis, you're probably going to be okay. You stop KD, stop Embiid, you know, maybe you think you're you're going to be all right. There's no easy out with the Miami Heat, and that's what's been so impressive to me. Right, and that, that's what I want to get on too because the point I want to make about the Heat and I was going to make is that this team's makeup really covers everything, right? They're all different, very different players that can really do everything, right? You have your true point guard in Kyle Lowry. You have your, in a way, do-it-all superstar in Jimmy Butler. Not that he's like the best player in the league, but on all facets of the court and his, I mean, confidence, energy, competitiveness, you can go even the mental stuff. He, he really can provide anything. You have shooter Duncan Robinson. You kind of have this. I think Bam is kind of like the... uh like maybe not a true center, but kind of the culmination of this new age center. And he's really good at it. A really athletic guy that can bang down low, um, needs to work on the jump shot a little bit. So I I think they really have all the pieces here. And I think that's a good point that where would you shut down this heat team? Like if you had to pick, are you, are you zoning in on a Jimmy Butler or I mean, I mean, are you going to get beaten another way? They're just a, they're the definition of a team that you can't, 
pinpoint any weakness in them. There's nothing that when you're strategizing in a playoff series coming up, like, ooh, where can we attack here? Where can we attack there? Where can we attack there? And that's why they're such a good team this regular season. And that's why they're going to end up with the one seed because they're just, if anyone has an off night or is injured, as evidenced by the records that we just read out, they have other players to pull up the slack. Everyone on the team, you can basically trust to score when it matters. Everyone on the team can rebound. They have seven players that average at least four rebounds, which is really high. Just there's no, you can't take a break because it's that Jimmy Butler mentality that he's instilled in the team of play every possession 100%. Um, And the only thing that can beat them is superstars, which will be the test they all have in the playoffs. But as a regular season team, they're fantastic. Yeah. To answer your question, Kyle, about how I would go about stopping them, uh, I think you have to shut down, like like if if we're talking about focal points and maybe where the first domino goes to fall, you have to shut down the shooters coming off of off screen uh, mm-hmm. or off like off motion, you know, into the corner. Harrow Robinson. Um, that's really in terms of like where their br- bread is buttered. You look at uh, three point attempts; they're fourteenth. Three pointers made per game; they're seventh, which uh, makes them first in terms of three point percentage for a team. And then, as Matt mentioned, on the defensive end, they're a heck of a rebounding team, number one rebounding team in the NBA. Uh, they don't turn over the ball much. They don't foul much, and they are first in in uh, field goals attempted against. So they're really holding teams to uh, like a few shot attempts per possession. It, it just spells for like a hellish seven game uh, right. playoff series right. for really and, any team in the East. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you mentioned the shooting, and that's how you stop them. And Really, Duncan Robinson's having the worst year of the past three since he's been become yeah. like a relevant player. Not by much, but his three-point percentage is officially under 40% now, which hasn't been true as of late. So, uh, I mean, this team, Matt mentioned one thing uh, that I'm going to agree with him on it. Uh, Matt said that's why they're going to get the one seed. Matt thinks the Miami Heat are going to be the one seed. At this point in the season, Jake, because I, I tend to agree with Matt, do you see that playing out? You think Miami gets the one seed? Um, I think, I think so. Something we were discussing off camera is how Brooklyn being in the play in tournament might skew what teams are trying to do towards the end of the year. Uh, it's no secret that NBA teams will unabashed tank and try and change their positioning. The Clippers did it last year. And I think the year before that, where end of year, you just pull the bottom out to get to the preferred matchup if you can. And with the Nets potentially being the seven or eight seed, if you're the one or two seed, uh, you have to either face them in the first or second round. So assuming that they win and, you know, go on through. So uh, I do think that they probably are the best regular season team over seven games. I think in the playoffs, superstar talent wins out. That's why I would pick the Bucks or Philly or right. maybe even Brooklyn before them. I don't know. I don't know about Brooklyn anymore, but those two other two teams for sure. Right. Um and I, I kind of think what we saw from the Sixers um, sitting Harden in the Heat game, I know it was a back-to-back, but not conceding the one seed, but maybe like accepting the fact if the Heat do get the one seed, that's fine. Because you look at that game, it's one of the most pivotal games like on the schedule in terms for seeding, and you sit Harden that one. So we'll you see how that also, goes. Also, you don't want to show your hand potentially. That's a big you would one be as well. Shocked. You would be shocked how often that happens. It happens yeah. all the time in big yeah. games. All right. Well, we'll move on from the Heat. I think people are going to start talking to him. Um, yeah, coming into the playoffs, playoff they, they are going to start getting that attention. Um, we're going to move to another one, and this is a team that is talked about, um, but maybe the stats really haven't been too much. And this is that the fact that the Nets are ninth in the Eastern Conference, and not only are they ninth, but they're three and seventeen in their last twenty games. That's ridiculous. They're now under five hundred. Uh, good stat in here that no team in NBA history has ever won the finals after having an under 500 record through 60 games. So obviously Ben Simmons coming back. Uh, we just saw Kyrie go for what? 50 last night, I think against the Hornets. So let me actually scratch that. They're four and 17 in the last 21. Cause I don't think that includes last night game still horrible. So do we see it turning around for the next? I think obviously it will, but can you come back from how poorly they've played just by adding Ben Simmons? Just by, adding, by, ben adding, Simmons. It's by uh-huh. adding Kevin Durant. 
Because when right. they were they were the one seed in the East at twenty two and nine when Durant went out, and then they collapsed. They were the worst team in the NBA during those twenty games where he didn't come back, and now he's back. So it's, they still lost it, the first two without him, though. So I, I mean, there's still struggles here in Brooklyn. Yeah, there's they're not a perfect team, but right for me, I I I really hope that we don't have to play them in the first round. That's that's right. the way I'm viewing it. I like I, I don't want to like I'm just, I'm more rooting get, I'm rooting for Brooklyn to get the ninth or tenth spot in the East because then they can't get anything higher than the eighth seed. So that's where my main rooting interest is because Kevin Durant is just he's he's so good. Yeah. And we 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 remembered how great he was last year in the playoffs. We remembered how great he was the first 30 games of the season. And then he was hurt. And everyone, oh, the Nets, doom and gloom. And then they did the trade, and it was like, oh. And then they lost more because Durant and Simmons weren't playing. They're, they're such a good team on paper. And Durant's proven with playoff moments that he can just will them. So I wouldn't pick them to get out of the East. But anyone who would be surprised that to happen is fooling themselves. Right. Every Everyone wants to go, oh, you know, oh, the Heat, <laughs> or, or excuse me, oh, the Nets. Ninth seed in the East. Oh, they stink. Oh, they added Ben Simmons. We, oh, oh, I don't want to play in first round. Oh, I don't <laughs> want him on my side of the bracket. Like, and I, I'm guilty of this. Like, look, you add, in my opinion, you add the biggest loser in NBA history. You want to talk <laughs> about go. losing culture. You add that guy to your team, and now you're going to force him to be shoehorned into a lineup to try and acclimate himself when in the most like like he he could realistically he could be playing with a full strength lineup single digit amount of times before you are playing playoff games like yep. for the for the nets so that's like I, I don't care who you are that's a tough task uh, for for any for any three superstars you're sticking together, and obviously I don't know if we want to stick superstar in Ben's name. He's a great player, but like even if he does fit their team well, it, it still takes some time. And you're going up against teams in the play-in tournament that you know, depending on where you're at, it could be one game. It could be if, like Matt said, you're you're a nine or ten seed, and you come out flat, it it may not go well for 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 Brooklyn. So yeah, I want I want to hit on something you just said too. Um, even if it's a good fit, right? Because yes, this this does look on paper a good fit for the Brooklyn Nets, but on what team like would Ben Simmons not be a good fit on paper, right? One of the best defenders in the league and a playmaking passer. Any team in the league can use that. The issue here with me comes with the fact that Ben Simmons has always needed the ball in his hands and has always been a detriment when that one either hasn't happened or two, he plays bad. Right. He hasn't been some guy that can play off the ball on paper. Yeah. You want him to play defense and start to break and he can be minimized to that role and he would be a phenomenal teammate (laughs) on this team. I'm not sure that's exactly the role he's going to play because that isn't the role he's ever played in his career. So so I think that's interesting to look when he does come back, because on paper, great fit. Sure. The best defender in the league at times. Yeah, that's going to be a best fit on any team. So I'm not sure this this is going to work out how people think it is. It takes. They're going to have 10 games played together. It takes 10 games to learn how to talk to Ben Simmons so he doesn't go cry about what you said after the game. Like, I, whatever. Like, also, I'm, they I, won't have a chance to do, like, a ironing out series because they, like, if they were, like, a one-seed or two-seed, oh, they can right. get their the, get get their chemistry together when they're playing Charlotte in the first round or Toronto in the first right round. Right the fire and, but this they, year. They go right, no time to acclimate, just sight read, essentially. Yep. This is where Brooklyn could scare me. One, I think the Goran Jogic's pickup was very good. I think that could be a little underrated. He hasn't played recently. Still a good player. But say Cam Thomas can be a legitimate bench scorer here, right? Because this is what it is with these top-heavy teams. Oftentimes, they lack the help needed. And this is, without a doubt, maybe the most top-heavy team in the league besides the Lakers right now. Um, Say Cam Thomas gets confidence in the playoffs, start playing well, right? Say Goran Dragic is a great bench peach and, you know, has a playoffs, not like the one he had on Miami that year they made the finals, but a good, competent playoff. If this team starts to get more depth and, you know, more well-rounded, then I think the Nets can seriously 
like be a problem. But as of right now, I'm going to stick with you. I th- was it you that said it, Jake, that you wouldn't pick them to come out of the East right now? Or I think that was no, Matt. no, I no, wouldn't. I wouldn't I, either. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna stick with that now. But it could get dangerous. Uh, well, yeah, it 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 definitely could. And the only thing I'll say, I like Cam Thomas a lot. If yep. you're relying on Cam Thomas in a playoff series, it's a lot like the 76ers yeah, last year relying rely on Maxi <laughs> in a playoff series. To they, well, I mean, not not in a huge role, but even if it's in like a you know 18 minutes, right, 16 yeah. minutes type type spot where we need you to get eight points in in that time frame, you know that that's still a big role in the playoffs. Exactly, but at the same time, this team is already built to win yeah. playoff games. I'm saying where this can get scary, but right, we'll move right. on to the next thing. No one's really talking about and. That's the Clippers. The Clippers are getting a little hot. I know they've been sticking in the bottom of the Western Conference, but you have to remember, no Paul George, no Kawhi. Obviously, Kawhi's probably not going to play this season. I mean, that's pretty... I don't think he is, to be honest. We've seen him... like He he shut down the playoffs last year, and I don't know how serious that injury was, but he shut that down. Like He's like, I'm not playing. I'm done. And they were in the Western Conference semifinals at that point, right? And made the Western Conference finals, so... I'd be surprised there, but Paul George might come back. Reggie Jackson's playing really well. Uh, Zubak and Harshenstein randomly is like a big, like, well, quite, quite literally a big, but a, a good solid set of bigs. Can the Clippers make some noise in the West? I think that's where we want to go with this. Can this team make some noise in the West? Cause the West right now seems wide open outside of the top two or three teams. Uh, I think they can just okay. because there's a real good chance. They play Memphis in the first round since Memphis has been really hot and Golden State's faltered without Draymond. If they win that first playing game against Minnesota, which is lo- looking like how it's going to line up because the Lakers and Pelicans are so far below them, standings wise, uh, and they play Memphis, they could win. And Paul George comes back because he's expected to come back before the end of the season. That could really give Memphis a lot of fits. It's a it would be really tough luck for Memphis after the great seasons they've had. Right. It's funny because, and it's really it's like we have to put respect on. Ty Lue's name like he, he's like a really good NBA coach he's not just a guy who got a chip because of LeBron like he checked LeBron in the playoffs mm-hmm. in a, a allegedly allegedly checked LeBron in you know saying like I got this uh I here's what I'll say about the Clippers their full strength team in which looking now goes like I'm talking about guys like Norman Powell Robert Covington Kawhi Leonard uh, Paul George, like that is like the Raptors team that won the championship on steroids. Like right. you have so many wings who can shoot and defend the heck out of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they they have maybe some, I, I, I know their guards seem to kind of be like up and down type players. I, I don't have a, a ton of, of confidence in Kennard, Terrence Mann, right? Those yeah. type guys, I, I don't have like a ton of confidence even though we've seen clearly either of those guys can they have won playoff games right for the clippers in the past so um i would say if they were full fully healthy uh going into the playoffs yes or if they were going to be fully healthy like and they aren't right now i would say yes with the looming question mark of Kawhi, ultimately they they can't get past the first round or they can't get past the second round i should they get to the second round can't get past it in my opinion, in the Western Conference without having Kawhi Leonard. So that'll really be kind of what sways it, in my opinion. I think one thing um, to remember, though, not that I think you're wrong, is that without Kawhi, they went to the Western Conference Finals, and I know we obviously got him through that first round, and I think he played two games in the second round, possibly three, and were competitive against the Suns. I think they lost that series 4-2, really had a shot, honestly, to maybe force a Game 7, and who knows, at that point, they would have all the momentum in the series. Um, what will hurt them though is Norman Powell fractured that toe. Uh, Norman Powell, for people who aren't paying attention, was having a great season in Portland and then gets traded. And I think three games averaged 21 for the Clippers, like very underrated piece that could have fit with Paul George. Uh, he's out indefinitely. So maybe, maybe you are right going with towards the playoffs here. Um, but I think they could really surprise some teams, right? Uh, a thing I, a term I used in the, big boards when talking about the NFL player or NFL playoffs, as I said, these teams could disrupt the playoff. These teams can disrupt the playoffs. And I said, the Bengals and the 49ers. And we saw what happened with both of them. That, in is, these that NFL was a good playoffs. call. That was a good call. We got to go back and grab that. That actually was a good call. Yeah. It's in the big board video. You can check me on that on oh, the YouTube man. page. Uh, I'm not ready to put that label on the Clippers yet, 
But by the time we get to playoff time, this team can get to a point where I think they could disrupt the Western Conference playoffs. The problem is with the Warriors and the Suns at the top, is what percent shot do you think they could knock them off? Because I, I think it's so top-heavy in the West. Yeah, I if if I had to go with my rankings uh, or, or, I guess, order of, of power in the Western Conference right now, I would put them... I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but like they do deserve there the eight seed right now. I would say all seven teams above them, except for maybe the the Timberwolves. I'd take them over the Timberwolves just because of mm-hmm. experience. But the Nuggets, Mavericks, Jazz, Warriors, Grizzlies, and Suns, I would favor over them in a seven game series. They could probably beat all but like one or two of those teams. So hey, don't let the Clippers face the Mavs again. I right? Mean, yeah, right. Like the Mavericks don't want to see that. Right? Mavericks don't want to see that. No. <laughs> All right, Matt, anything on the Clippers? You ready to move on? I, I, just, I just think, like Jake was saying, the even with Paul George coming back, they wouldn't have the best player in any of a series against anyone above Minnesota because Jokic is better. I'd take Donovan Mitchell. I'd take uh, Chris Paul. I'd take uh, Curry. I'd take John Morant at this point. So I just... I just I think they could scare Memphis and but as making like an actual run that I just I don't think that's possible at all unless right. Kawhi miraculously comes back. All right. So we're going to move to the last thing people aren't talking about. I'm going to change it a bit here from what we have in the script. And that's just going to be that the Boston Celtics are legitimate in the Eastern Conference. And I'm not talking about just a good team. I think they're legitimate contenders and people are starting to wake up to this. But you couldn't say this a month and a half ago. I mean, this team's 16 and four in their last 20 games. Tatum just dropped a 54 piece, right? We talked about how the Derek White trade might impact them. We talked about these other auxiliary pieces, but I think they've come back together. And I, I, I would label them as legit Eastern Conference contenders and a team to be scared of. Do you guys, is that your kind of synopsis of that? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just, I think the way it's, the bracket's going to break down for them could be very favorable to them. If they stay the 4-5 and Chicago's there, I think they beat Chicago in the first round. And then I think they match up decently against Miami. That's not a horrible matchup. I, I still favor Miami, but they've got a shot. And that could be Brooklyn also, depending on how everything... And Too early to tell. Yeah, yeah. too early to tell. But they're, again, they lead the East in point differential, which just shows that they're they were underperforming for so long their record and with point differential usually it eventually evens itself out and it has and you also have to factor in that they were learning how to play with a new coach this year with Emeo Duka and that has some growing pains along with it and it really looks like they sorted them out yeah I I think you have to take them seriously and that's not something that I would have said in the beginning of the year uh, they are third and three-point percentage allowed first and two-point percentage allowed first uh, all-around field goal percentage allowed. As you said, number one defense right now in the NBA. Uh, they have a lot of guys who can play. Robert Williams is taking a step forward. He's been the a phenomenal. Lord. Yeah, he's he is um he is like a new age. You remember when like Clint Capella was on Houston and just like blowing up the PER numbers, like. Yeah, but the, I want to talk about the difference because usually DeAndre Jordan did the same thing with the Clippers. Usually it's because they have an elite guard feeding them the ball in these situations. And the Celtics don't have that. They don't have a Hall of Fame level guard feeding well, them the ball. they have two border. I'm not going to call you can't call Brown or Tatum Hall of Fame yet. I mean, maybe. No, but they're not passers. Calm down. Like, calm down. I, no, I know, but. They got Peyton Pritchard, Matt. I <laughs> no, they don't. They don't have a true guard, and Derek White is definitely the a big leap in that. It's probably the first iteration of a guard who is good on this team that doesn't need the ball in their hands and isn't a scorer. You look at what they tried to do with it, what they tried to do with Kyrie, what they tried to do with Kemba Walker. All that didn't work, and now I do think they're trying to go with a little bit more um, of a defensive physical front uh, backcourt. Marcus Smart and Derek White certainly achieve that so they're, they're definitely live what i would i put them or pick them ahead of the top 
three or four teams in the East? No. Like, I think that they're a pretty clear outside looking in in terms of like a tier based ranking goes. But crazy. Look, there's crazier things that could happen. They're a very experienced team. And as you said, they're playing very hot right now. See, I, I actually so I would take them above the Bulls above them. And I think the Celtics are one of those teams that matches up well, just the way they play basketball. They good size, good athleticism. I think they're really fine against any team. I, I, I would argue that a series against the Bucks would be close. I would argue a series against the Sixers would be close and the Heat would be close. Like I, I think this team's right up there with those top teams. Well, look, you can get to eye level with any team when you play hard defensively. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to come in and say, hey, oh, Giannis would, uh, they don't have anyone to stop Giannis. They don't have anyone to stop Joel because it truly is a team effort. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yeah, they, they play. I, I think they'll end up running into the same old thing that we always see with Boston where there's just not enough cohesion between Brown and Tatum in the end. But it'll be really interesting to watch Platt. I'm glad that there's another kind of leg in this Eastern I think it's I think it's telling that Tatum had to score 54 for them to beat Brooklyn. Like, that's not going to happen all the time. Uh, see, I'm not putting too much stock in the regular season games. So, I think like, that's – but the, the, I think that was – a. Katie's back, national television. I'm going to show you how good I am. And then Tatum kind of stole the spotlight. And I think Durant put up like a high effort performance and Tatum there. And I, I just, I just think that it's not feasible long-term uh, for like in a, in a long drawn out series that Tatum can continue to be that good. See, I, I see that's actually the, where I want to go with the Celtics. I think we've been seeing, Jason Tatum now gained this playoff experience over the years. He's been there every single year. He's played now 50 career playoff games. Um, And last year was the first first round bounce, but they had to play Brooklyn in the first round. And in that series, uh, Tatum gave him a 50 ball and a 40 ball. I mean, I, I think Tatum now has gained this experience with this team and it's been around the same guys. He feels comfortable there to where a spot in the playoffs. I think this is the year we might see Tatum take that next step. Like, like I, I, I've been really impressed with him these past couple of years from sweeping the Sixers in the bubble to last year, even losing the Brooklyn. But Brooklyn was the super team last year that everyone yeah, they were was 500 the last year. The, the Celtics, they, right? But the, I'm talking playoffs, epic failure. But I'm talking, well, this okay, but this year they're going to be no, above yeah, 500 I, and they're going to be a playoff team. I like, I, I think this is the year it might come together for the Celtics, and that doesn't mean championship for them. But this is one team I'm pretty high on. And shout out to James, by the way, who pointed this out like four months ago. Here's my issue with that and Jason Tatum taking the step forward because he is a star in the league right now. I think, you you know, no one would argue Jason Tatum is a star. Right. The tier above that is superstar. And every single guy except for maybe like Steph Curry, I don't know if I could think of another one, in that superstar category is able to score at a really high level, be the engine on the team's offense, and then also be able to stop the other team's best player. That's what Jason Tatum is missing. If you could tell me Jason Tatum is on both ends going to get the better of his matchup all throughout the series, which whether it be KD, Giannis, whoever he, he, he won't be put on Giannis, but um, you know, whoever he ends up against, like he has to be able to prevent them from, from getting their average. And I don't think he's able to do that right now. And that's their issue. Right, he's but, a, he's almost piece, like a, a the, modern day Carmelo, yeah. like he's like prime Very Carmelo. Everything good about Carmelo and everything not so great about Carmelo all rolled up into one package. But the Celtics as a as a whole have addressed that. They just they have Marcus Smart. He's been there. They just brought in Derek White. If there's one thing great about Derek White's game, it's his defense. They brought Baines back, someone familiar that without being not that he's an all top defender. But if it wasn't for defense, Aaron Baines isn't in the league, right? So I, I think that the stuff around that, they've kind of made their team better around them in that sense. Did J.J. Redick not teach you a lesson, Kyle? In the playoffs, <laughs> they will hunt you to the bitter end if there is a matchup on the floor that they think they can exploit. Tatum's specifically in that series against Philadelphia where he came out as a rookie, they literally were running motions 
every single time down the floor so that the end result would be ISO Jason Tatum against JJ Reddick. So there's only right. so much you could do to I don't hide. Think he's- that terrible no 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 he's not i i don't want to make that comparison he's not but it's but that's just yeah i I don't think it's he's that terrible at defense and not even comparatively just objectively i don't think he's a terrible defender objectively i think we just talked about how the celtics and we just talked about how the celtics are the best defensive team in the nba so so i mean he's part of that yeah but he's not he's not like a big i wouldn't even call him a top three reason all right maybe well we've started the conversations, maybe the last one at the end is the one that's for episodes to come. But those are the things we got to keep talking about here in the NBA um, and talking about things people were talking about. We're going to move to the second segment. And that's speaking facts. One of our favorites here, of course, we're going to give you a quote from the NBA landscape, uh, whether it's the media, whether it's a player, a coach, you know how this works. And we're just going to straight up tell you, is this person speaking facts or are they just completely wrong with this one? And we'll start. We'll start with Stephen A. Smith. I mean, how could we not? He tends to make his way, Mr. 30,000 takes a year. And he said something on first take this week that we've kind of been talking about with some of these other teams recently or previously in the episode, but haven't really keyed in on these two teams. He said, I respect what I'm seeing from the Philadelphia 76ers, but the Milwaukee Bucks are the team to beat in the East. Matt, is Stephen A. Smith speaking facts? Yes and no. I'm kind of doing a cop-out. They're the defending champions. They have arguably the best player in the NBA who's proved it in the playoffs with Giannis. But I I gotta be Homer here, and I gotta I gotta say it's the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers offense with Embiid and Harden is unguardable in every and I know it's been five games, but the They've shared the court for 262 possessions, uh, and they're one in the 100th percentile in points per 100 possessions, 100th percentile effective field goal percentage, and 100th percentile in free throw rate. That's pretty they're, good. That <laughs> the only thing they're kind of not their their rebounding has kind of faltered a little bit, um, but that that's just a learning where people get position on the floor kind of thing. Uh, so I've, Harden's always been a really good defense guard rebounder and, and Bede's a really good rebounder too. So I just think the it's such a perfect meld of Hall of Fame talent and no other duo in the East or the NBA has something that, that that's that perfect of a fit. And I think that makes Philadelphia the team to beat in the East and in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can't say he's not speaking facts like they're literally the defending champions. Uh, For that reason, I don't think it's that big of a take. For all the reasons Matt said, I think you could make the case the Sixers are the most dangerous team uh, to to go up against if you are. Uh, And and maybe that's counterintuitive, but I don't know if that makes them the team to beat. Like the way I view it is because Milwaukee, they won the championship. They've retained the the core of their team and they're just about, they're almost exactly the same team. Giannis is the same guy, you know, nothing really has changed. They're coasting a bit, Milwaukee. Right. And and now, now, right now they're probably coasting. So for all those reasons, I think they're probably still the team to beat, but Philly very dangerous. Yeah. And, and Bobby Portis has taken a step up, which has been refreshing to see, not just a hit or miss guy. Now, now a full rotational piece uh, starting for them now where he's been a bench guy. I'm gonna say Stephen A. Smith is not speaking facts. Um, I, I get they're the defending champions, but Giannis was a back-to-back MVP, and no one was zoning in on him in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Like, oh, we got to get Giannis. We got to beat this guy, right? No one was scared of him in the playoffs, and they did it once. Yeah, that's great. The team that beat in the East is still the Miami Heat. They're their number one team in the East. I'm sorry. They were in the finals two years ago. We talked about them earlier in this episode. They've been the number one seed basically all season. Through injuries, start playing Gabe Yurts or Gabe Vincent and Yerk Steven and however you say his name, it hasn't mattered. And I'm not going to say it's a team to beat that the team's going to eye in on when they hit the playoffs. Like, we got to beat the Heat to get through the East because that's not really how any team's going to look at these playoffs because I really think the East is so competitive right now. And I think the Eastern playoffs can be fun to watch. But I think if you have to pick one team who's been the most dominant this season, who's playing the best basketball all the way through the season, it's, it's the Miami Heat. 
So to, to me, I don't think there is, quote unquote, a team to beat in the East where maybe in the West you can say, hey, the Suns are the team to beat or, hey, the Warriors are the team to beat. I don't think that we have that in the East. But if there's one team to make this take about Stephen A., it has to be the Miami Heat, in, in my opinion. Fair. That's fair. I, I can't. I can't. I just I can't. Think, I, when I don't think you have a top five player in the conference, I can't call you the team to beat. That's I would, I would say Jimmy Butler is a top five player in the conference. Harden, Embiid, Giannis, Durant, and Jimmy yeah, I could, I could put him five. I could yeah. put him five. Uh, you take him over Tatum? <laughs> yeah. It's close. Uh, you have uh, I'll Terry take Rose, Terry Rozier's in the East, though. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Rozier, number five. Terry Terry Rozier I forgot about is in Terry the East. Rozier. He had a 30 piece against Brooklyn the other night. Hey, the 30 piece every night. He's actually on a tear right now, but that's for another episode, man. I hope they make the playoffs. Uh, for the second speaking facts point, um, Jake, you want to take this one? I, th- yeah, I think you got I, the IG post up right now. I, I got into it a little bit with our buddy, uh, Max Gordon of Brainiac Hoops. Obviously, a very contentious battle for MVP going on right now between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, both phenomenal players. Um, and maybe there will be a come a time where we're on this show we will go in depth about both cases uh towards the end of the year but he had a post that caught my eye that said because usually you know Jokic you could you could probably make the argument he might be a better player offensively than Joel Embiid just because of he his distribution I've never heard anyone say he's a better defender until our guy Brainiac Hoops go follow him on Insta follow us on Insta as well while you're at it said it has always been Jokic's greater sign and B, the biggest difference is Jokic's ability to play one through five on offense and defend one through five on the other end. As if that's something that is something that Joel can't do. So naturally being that we're I'd straight. I'd love packs, to see Jokic try to guard Harden in an NBA finals game. I, it would be pretty <laughs> funny, right? It would be like uh like the one Rudy Gobert where he's like da- dancing with Steph Curry out on the perimeter. So I had to dig into the statistics. This is what we do. We I was on Instagram, got to keep up with the brand. So I fire back. Uh, their percentages when, de- when defending ISOs, because his contention was one through five, Embiid is not as good defending as Jokic. And just looking at ISOs, Embiid is in the 94th percentile with 0.54 points per play against isolations. Jokic, on the other hand, is 0.91 points per play, which puts him in the 46th percentile. He literally is a below-average defender against isolation. So I guess I think I know I have some other stats as well, but I'll kick it to you guys before we go too deep. Is he speaking facts here? Is Max Gordon, our guy, Brainiac Coops, speaking facts? No. No. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I've I said last year, and I'll say this year: Nikola Jokic is the best offensive player in the NBA. Yeah, I still think that he is. Whoa! All right, all right, you, you go. Nah, you can go. You yeah, go. yeah. You uh, go. He fine. averages like twenty-five points, twelve assists, and he's like he's shooting like fifty-six percent from the field. I know Sixers Twitter <laughs> likes to like make fun of him because Nuggets fan call him like some one of the greatest of all time. When oh yeah, he's really really good, but like. If you only look at advanced stats and you say, oh, he's better than Larry Bird, which was a poll that came out. <laughs> it's like yeah. a blind thing. And Stats are a, a heck of a drug. Yeah, stats, stat, yeah, they're, they're good in moderation. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I, I know. You can't just look at a spreadsheet and say he's better. Jokic is a phenomenal player. Him and Embiid are essentially, if you're being completely objective about it, it's a tie and it's almost personal preference at this point. Um, if you, but saying he's a better defender is just like, what are we talking about? It's a bridge like, too far. It, like, it's a bridge too if far. You, if you look at if you look at advanced defensive stats, which Daryl Morey has said are garbage, the available advanced defensive metrics are garbage, and this is Daryl Morey, the king of advanced stats in the NBA. And it shows he's better than Giannis and Embiid in every major advanced defensive stat. That means, oh, they, the stats wrong. You can't you guys say, oh, look at this. Like, Robert Williams is leading the Celtics in win shares. Is he the best player on the Celtics? No. But it's just like, it's a nice thing to say, oh, wow, he really is a really quality player for them. And people are just going way too far. 
and instead of just viewing it as like, oh, he's improved as a defender, which Jokic has, but <laughs> he's not better than yeah, Joel no. Embiid. And, and before you go, Jake, uh, no, he's not speaking facts, Bernie. I'm sorry, Max. You're not speaking facts. Um, Joel Embiid might be the best defensive center in the league. I know we hate on Gobert on this show. If you want to say Gobert, that's completely fine. You completely have a point for that. But if not, I think Joel is a top three, top five, no doubt, center defensively in the league. No one regards Nikola Jokic as that. Um, so I think that's wrong. I also think Matt's not speaking facts that Jokic is the best offensive player in the league. It's still Kevin Durant. I, it's it, it's not close to me. We just talk about how stats are like crazy and people want to point out, oh, he's a playmaker. He is a playmaker. But I mean, you can't look at the number of his assists per game when his highest games and assists per game are all losses. He has a lo- The Nuggets right. have a losing record when Jokic has 11 or more assists. I mean, it he's a product insane. of everything has to run through him. Right. But to the defensive thing, no, he's not speaking facts. MB's it, better. It's what we talked about with Luca. We're like, yeah, get your usage in, dude. You're going to OT, going 44, 10, and 10 with four blocks and three steals to beat the Pelicans. To beat the <laughs> Pelicans, you have to go to OT like and, and put up this crazy line. Like, there used to be a day where MVP, your team actually had to be good to win that award. I mean, the Nuggets are okay. They're a playoff team, but we're like, they're on the fringe of the play in. And to go after the defense, as you said, there aren't really a ton of really reliable defensive metrics. I like to look at, I think points per play is actually a really good indicator um, because you can kind of single out play types and scenarios in which these players are, you know, the result is a direct, I guess, or or the result of the play is directly impacted by their skill uh, versus like a defensive rating, which Jokic leads, defensive win shares, Jokic leads. That's all kind of team-based. When you look at uh, their points per play when guarding pick-and-roll ball handlers, Joel is in the 87th percentile, while Jokic is in the 72nd percentile. Again, Embiid pretty market advantage. And the ultimate, this should end the conversation here, statistic. Against post-ups, both being the best, you know, their claim for the best center in the league, Embiid or Jokic, Embiid points per play against post-ups, 71st percentile. Nikola Jokic against post-ups is in the 23rd percentile in the NBA. I don't have it up in front of me right now. I would bet you that that would probably be like last on his team in terms of like points per play against post-ups. Scoring frequency when he's posted up of 56%. Don't ever mention Jokic's name next to Embiid when we're talking defense ever again. That's all I have to say. As a center, as, <laughs> you didn't mention, but as a center, Max yes. Gordon's point was one through five. He ain't even a better at his own position, right? Guarding. So, all right, we'll move on. That's all we have for speaking facts. Kept it quick, but that was fun. Last thing we got to hit on is the NFL. We've seen, I know it's the offseason. We've seen some trades uh, before we get into it. I mentioned at the top of the show. Our guy, Matt Valavinos uh, and James Jackson are going to be on the YouTube. That video will come out Friday. Straight facts on YouTube. Head over there. Subscribe as you haven't. And they're going to full break down these quarterbacks. You'll want to see that because Matt V is having a meltdown on Twitter right now. About when? Oh, oh yeah. Matt V, Washington <laughs> Commanders football fan, I should add in if you don't remember Matt Valavinos. That actually will be fun. I might actually want to hop in that video now. But they're going to give us a full breakdown of all the quarterback moves. I want some quick reactions out of you two here. So we'll start with the first one. That was Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, the full trade. Russell Wilson in the fourth round pick to the Seahawks for a two first round picks, two second round picks, a fifth round pick, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, and Shelby Harris. Jake, quick reaction. What, what, what are we looking at here in the Seahawks Broncos trade? Uh, I would say we're looking at a solid like 10 to 25 years grand larceny. Uh, this is. <laughs> This is a big-time haul for the Broncos. This is a win for the Broncos. This is like a smash home run win for the Broncos because we've talked about really for the past two years, their offense, you can read off the weapons just in the receiving core, Sutton, Judy, Tim Patrick, very slept on. K.J. Hamler can make some noise out of the slot. You have Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, obviously probably not coming back to the team, but you, you can't rule him out. And now you add in Russell Wilson, into like the perfect, like like the offenses where he dominated in Seattle, 
He was able to rely on the run. And then when you accounted for the run, punished you through the air with play action, going deep. He's got a ton of guys to do that now. And they really like realistically two first, two second. Okay. That's like, that has some weight to it. But like Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant's a good player, young player, but like those guys are replaceable. There's only a couple Russell Wilsons running around in the league, and I think the Broncos did very well to snag him. I'm a before you go, Matt. I'm actually opposite of you here, Jake, and I, I I'm not anti Broncos. I, I get why they did it. I think bringing Russell West or they think they're a winner, think they're a contender. I tend to believe that too. I was even high on them this year. I think the Broncos did you know make a good deal. They got Russell Wilson. That makes complete sense with the points you made. Not to mention their defense was third in the league last year in points against them. But I think the Seahawks got back a franchise-changing hole. They made the decision. It's time to rebuild. Two first-round picks, More power two second-round picks, a starting tight end who also, by the way, was a first-round pick not too many years ago. I mean, I think that what the, the move the Seahawks made, because as an Eagles fan, there was outside shot of getting Russ. I never really agreed with it. But there was no shot I would have given up that much for Russell Wilson. Like I think the Seahawks got a large hole back in return, and it kind of puts the Broncos on a clock now because if this doesn't work out, if Russell Wilson goes nine and eight, squeaks in as a six seed wild card, and gets bounced first round, and does the same thing again next year, this is a robbery the other way, and it really can't go wrong for the Seahawks if they're bad, right? With all those picks, I think yeah. I honestly, it's not a lose lose, but it's, it's not a lose lose. I yeah. don't think there's a winner. Because I, I don't think the Seahawks, think, see, I don't think the Seahawks got enough back. Honestly, Russell Wilson is unbelievable, wow. and I just think the AFC is too good <laughs> for the Bron- the Broncos are going to be really good. That's the thing, but too. also, but the Chiefs are going to be really good. The Chargers are going to be really good. The Raiders made the playoffs <laughs> last year. The Bengals made the Super Bowl. The Bills. It's just like there's so many teams, and like I get you have to do that if you're trying to compete. When there's a million great quarterbacks around you, you have to make that move. But I, I, I don't think the Seahawks got enough back, and I don't see this resulting in deep playoff runs for Denver. Yeah, I, think I the just Seahawks got enough back. I I, I'll lie. always, I, I would always, as a fan, feel better about trading a bunch of unknown commodities for a known commodity, uh, and that's exactly what the Broncos I did. Think- yeah. See, I think first round picks in the NFL are so crucial and it's proven to be like the hit rate on them is insane. It's not like the NBA where after the first 14, you have to find a gem. Like the NFL, like first rounders are so important. You get two of those and two seconds that you can get going. I don't know. And, I mean, and I I've seen I, I've seen first Unless round you're picks Howie Roseman drafting a skill position player in crazy okay. <laughs> ways. There's not to trust me. It's not just Howie Roseman, it, dude. You, you ask that. Raider fans how their draft history is gone. Not 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 a fun time. Yeah, bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm asking for quick reactions so we can move on after that. Um, Matt, um, Matt and James, I'm sure we'll get into that. Oh, We're going to yeah. move to the other one that broke today. Carson Wentz, three former Eagles fans here. Just one in a really one year ago, he was on our roster. It happened uh, last spring. He got traded, but the Washington Commanders traded for Carson Wentz. They also got a second round pick back. The Colts also got a second round pick back. Just a little bit of pick swap there. I think they're off like five picks and two third round picks. One can become a second rounder if Carson Wentz plays seventy percent of snaps. So. I mean, you you have to assume now. Obviously, Carson Wentz is the quarterback of Washington now. I mean, I guess. Is this, I mean, uh, you listen to Washington fans, and they just want somewhat of a competent quarterback. One, did they even get that? And two, does this work? I, I don't know. They got a competent quarterback. Yeah, they yeah, got a wacky competent quarterback, but they got a competent quarterback. Wentz is okay. People looked at look at like the end of just the Jaguars game and act like he played like that the whole season. Uh, he's a He's clearly a top. He's a best quarterback they've had since Kirk Cousins. Might be better than Kirk Cousins. It's iffy. Um, Quite the bar being set there. I know, but <laughs> but they no, got better. Truth. The, the contract. Truth. The contract's rough. Uh, the Col- the Colts. It seemed like that situation really deteriorated, and I. I don't know what the Colts do. Do they get Jimmy G now? It's. Washington got a little better, and I don't think it's a big risk for them either. So I actually don't hate it from a Washington point of view. I don't and hate the Colts, it this is just trying to get as much out of a failed um, idea as possible. You guys yeah. know who the, who won this trade, though, right? Eagles? 
the Eagles. <laughs> we got a first and a third back, and they just traded two thirds for him. <laughs> and we get to play against Carson Wentz twice a year. Uh, yeah, if it keeps on giving. Uh, really quick on on Wentz. I think you would have gotten the same production out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know if he's done done. I know he had the hip thing. There's no reason Ryan Fitzpatrick can't give you a nine win season. You right. can do it. I think there's more upside with Carson Wentz though. Just thinking of past, there's still question marks Younger. on who is he, who can he become. I, I mean. He's shown flashes even going like last season, and that was a run-heavy team. Like with more opportunities to be had, I could see Wentz having a not breakout year, but a certain uptick in production than he's I had. I mean, you, you guys know I have the list. Can he win it or can't he win it? He's not <laughs> on it. He's not on the list of can win it. Carson Wentz is not. So, which is I, fair. I don't think they gave up a ton for him. I just wonder kind of what the Colts are going to do, but I, I'm sure they have a plan. So good. Yeah. I agree with that. All right, so that was our quick recap of the NFL trades. We didn't want to go too deep in here because we know James and Matt V got us covered. Again, that video is out Friday on the Straight Facts YouTube channel. Make sure you check that one out. We're going to get into real quick winners and losers here because we got to bring one thing up. Uh, quick loser, Calvin Ridley. That was That was an interesting headline. You don't see that much. Uh, obviously, Calvin Ridley got caught. Gambling, I guess, back in November, just officially got sanctioned out for a season. The entire season, Calvin Ridley be out. Of course, he had a mental health thing that took him out before that even happened. So this is a rough one. I, I just want a reaction here to the Calvin Ridley news. Well, the really, obviously, I'm in the betting space working for BeckQL. Like the really volatile thing is, so obviously you're not going to challenge the mental health diagnosis or him saying I need time not going to however it is interesting that the bets that he placed from what I read were on the Falcons to to perform poorly be under 500 um was was what I saw that he bet on which goes that that that's rigging like that is that is that is similar to what happened with the Black Sox in the World Series like that is like like, like I would say, like worst case scenario in terms of the betting industry, how they want to be viewed. This is not a good thing, um, especially with the NFL's openness. And that's how they actually found out about him doing it is through one of the betting partners that's uh, partnered with the NFL pass along this information. So I don't think he made his case any better by going out and tweeting like it was only fifteen hundred dollars. No. It wasn't that much like, dude, why can't just stay off Twitter? Yeah. And you'll we also, end up I do want to check people re- real quick, man. I do want to check people though. Cause you did mention the black Sox. People tend to go with extremes in this day and age. Calvin Ridley putting 1500 on a like parlay gamble, whatever. And when, first of all, gambling is just pushed to the absolute max right now, turn on True. any TV channel. True. You see it is not even close to the equivalent of sh- shoeless Joe Jackson and the black Sox in 1919. Like I, I, I want to push back on people going to the extremes. Not that you were making that, like full comparison, but like the public reaction on Twitter is just a little too much. It's it's something that you need to have a full hard line, no tolerance, at least a season suspension policy. Anytime that happens just to protect the game from becoming something like, uh, honestly, like boxing where there's raid fights all the time. Right. Um, yeah. That, see, that's, that's just where the interest is. Obviously insider information, all that. I do want to say though, um, if Cal, if this, if they only gave him a six-game suspension, does that change anything? I think, it, I think it could have been six. Um, I think you have to be pretty harsh with like this is a zero tolerance. You think you thing. need to hold to that standard because because you're right. And by the way, I just I want to fact check myself. I looked it up. It's not confirmed that he bet on Falcon win total unders. Uh, it said three parlays. I don't know what the contents of those parlays were, I think. But in, in my opinion, that that is kind of like a slippery slope where you don't drop the hammer on this guy and then maybe you do have a player, you know, if you get <laughs> if you get a player like maybe not as high profile as Nick Foles, but you come in a playoff game and you're in a big position and you're making less than a million dollars per year <laughs> and I could fade my team and put put my year salary on it and make myself good for life, you know, that that's a, that's... A scenario that if you're the NFL, you you kind of open yourself up to if you don't put the hammer down on Ridley. But I, I don't think it's the end of the world. It just has to be dealt with. That's a great point. That's a perfect point right there. I think that sums it up. Um, and then one quick winner, uh, and you can really have the loser on the other side, but winner, the University of North Carolina, 
and they're they they, they will have that on Duke fans forever. They, they beat <laughs> they beat Coach they K in his last him, game at right? Cameron Indoor. Yeah, what's up? It was like a blowout, wasn't it? Like they blew no, them went, out, or is that a couple games before that? No, it was it was a close game. Um, okay. but they the last turned game, into a blowout at the end. They won by thirteen. Right, but it was a yeah. hard fall game. Uh, but just being a Duke fan with the most storied rivalry, maybe in all of college sports, definitely in college basketball, to have that as the upper hand for the rest of your life, it must feel awesome to be a UNC fan right now. I love that it happened. I don't yeah. like either team, but it was just so great to that after all this, like just but kissing of coach K all would. And then he loses to his arch rival in this Duke fans paid $5,000 a ticket to see it happen. It was just great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and how about like ESPN, like before it all happened, they're planning a pregame and a post game. Like, you know, you could lose this game, right? Coach K like, cause He's, did you see the post game? He didn't want to be out there. <laughs> I didn't see the post. I didn't see much of it, but it was literally always- him listening to people talk about him for 30 minutes and the whole, everyone stayed just for him to give like a speech and he didn't want to be there. They lost the game. <laughs> yeah. He's always been a little overrated in my opinion. Like you stick me at Duke. I think I might accumulate a few championships with the big, uh, blue and white logo on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. well, he yeah, created sure. the the brand. They weren't a huge yeah, college basketball team point. until he got it's a there. Fair point. Fair yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Matt, when Jake said it, we knew it wasn't true. I mean. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all the time we have here at Straight Facts, but we can still get some shots up at the buzzer. Anyone got one for me? Yeah, I got a plug. Um, so since my dad retired, he's been a part of this uh, charity to help out with. Uh, uh, childhood leukemia and there's actually going to be a uh, they call it the big climb and it's a charity uh, event where you get to cl- basically climb it's like a little like walk slash run of the link so you get to like walk up the stadium uh, walk down go in the locker room um, and it's on may 14th um, and if you register before march 14th uh, so that's coming up. There's no registration fee. Um, and uh, I'll read the plug that the that they sent me. Uh, so do you want to see Lincoln Financial Field through a player's eyes? Join the fight to cure blood cancers and take advantage of an opportunity to experience the home of the Eagles in a very special way. Big Climb Philly is a premier fundraising event held annually by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And this year, the event will be held at Lincoln Financial Field on May 14th. Climb the stadium stairs, run through the player tunnels and and the field while raising critical funds for life season research and patient care. Participate as a team of friends, family, co-workers, or as an individual. Registration is open until the day of the event and free before March 14th. So register today at www.bigclimb.org slash Philly. www.bigclimb slash dot org slash Philly. Matt, that's awesome. Yep. Go sign up, guys. That, that's yeah, awesome. we'll, March before March fourteenth. Before, if you don't do it before, then you have to pay a registration. We'll fee. we'll push out the link on uh, social media uh, after the show. But yeah, that that is an awesome cause, Matt. Jake, what do you got at the buzzer? Uh, nothing much. I'm now becoming like almost. I don't know if you guys are have ever like drank too much caffeine, but have you ever <laughs> just felt like really like twitchy, itchy, like? Almost, you just can't can't sit still sort of caffeine feeling. Um, That is what I'm enduring pretty much since James Harden's arrival, riding out these maxi most improved tickets because it's not going to happen. He's not going to win most improved player, but he's at this point like proving that he could realistically be actually the most improved player this year. He just won't win it like because of narrative. You look at, like points per game, assists per game, obviously his minutes go up, but we don't have to get into the full. Uh, maybe that'll be a YouTube video of why Tyrese Maxey should win most improved player, but I'm yeah. now, be- yeah, it's getting into an uncomfortable zone now. If you ever, wa- this is going to be one of those things where you're watching a Sixers game with Jake like six years from now and Maxey has a good game and he's like, he should have been most improved player 2022. Like, I don't know. Like, look at him now. <laughs> this is like when Brogdon got the rookie of the year over Embiid. I was in, I didn't bet on it at the time, but I was just insufferable for like years after the fact where obviously Embiid's a much better player. He just didn't win the award. I yeah. actually, I thought Daria should have won it that year. 
just because again, I, the games played. Look, I needed to see one game. This is how many games I needed to see that year <laughs> to determine Joel Embiid was better than any rookie. I Embiid said Dario should have won us for that kind. Of, I haven't That's really fair, right? That, in a while. Yeah. All right. Well, all I want to say, the buzzer. We've been pushing the episode. Hit up the YouTube page. We're we're putting in the work over there. A lot of stuff off the camera. We really enjoy doing this, and we hope you guys enjoy viewing it. I, I didn't mean that to Ron, but that was cool. Um, so if you want to see our faces, if you want to see us there, we put a lot of effort in the YouTube channel. That's Straight Facts Podcast on YouTube. But that is all the time we have today for Straight Facts. For my guys, James Jackson at home. For Jake Galley, for Stat Matt Robinson, I'm Kyle Sirig. These have been the facts. Straight up.